Welcome in for another edition of the Half Court Press Podcast. John Niatawa joined by Sam McEwen here to break down the latest in local hoops as it relates to the teams that we cover. Sam's down there in Lincoln following the Huskers. I'm up here in Omaha following Creighton and the two teams are meeting. We're recording this on a Thursday. They're about to play in um, just over 24 hours. So the rivalry has been renewed. Um, Despite the pandemic, these two teams are going to go at it. We'll talk about that matchup, that game in a second, but I wanted to look back because Creighton's coming off a loss to Kansas and Nebraska's coming off a loss to Georgia Tech. Um, Both teams have some things to work on ahead of uh, of a much-anticipated matchup. We'll start with Nebraska. It just happened, Sam. So what did you see? I think one of the things you wrote about was just the defensive breakdowns down the stretch against Georgia Tech. That was pretty obvious and glaring as a reason why that game went the way it did. Mm-hmm. Was that it? Was yeah, that- it's, it's a gut punch Thursday, right? Um, I think Nebraska feels pretty down about about losing that game. Um, not not because they don't think they could beat Creighton, but but I think there was a sense that you know they had a good game plan uh, to slow down Georgia Tech's best player. And they got all the guys that you'd want to get in foul trouble were in foul trouble. So Georgia Tech's best guard, Jose Alvarado, had four fouls with 15 minutes left in the game. Um, they're one of their best forwards. Michael DeVoe, who tore up Nebraska in the first half, was with three. I think eventually he got four. Um, so this was a game that was playing in Nebraska's advantage. With seven minutes left, Nebraska's you know basically tied up to – and they have, a, they have a lot of the variables in their favor. They're ahead in the rebounding. Kobe Webster's starting to hit threes, and then it goes, woof! It's like, it's like the complete bottom dropped out. And that's the thing that I think Nebraska fans saw last year, is they play solid for however many minutes. Um, this didn't happen against Creighton last year, but it did happen in a lot of Big Ten games where they would play solid, 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 and then it hit about the 15-minute mark or even the 12-minute mark, and Nebraska scoring would disappear, and the other team would hit would hit a bunch of threes. And it, it felt a little deja vu last night. Even though this roster is completely different from last year's roster, this felt a little bit like that game. And I think Hoiberg was frustrated. You know, he is um, – Fred is a guy that, that stays pretty even keel and is always going to project a kind of, you know, confidence and calm – I don't think there's a lot of things that he hasn't seen over the course of his career, both from winning teams and losing teams, because he's, you know, he's experienced a little bit of both um, when you go back to the NBA and that. So he understands that a lot of what happens on the court comes down to the players and comes down to them, you know, executing the plan. And for so long in that game, Nebraska did exactly what it needed to do. And it's almost like, you know, it's 51, 51, and maybe Nebraska thought it should have been up seven or eight points, but it wasn't. And then Georgia Tech gets up a couple of baskets, and then that's it. And I think <laughs> that speaks to sort of an internal underlying confidence that they still need to work on because it felt like when Georgia Tech hit a couple of threes, one of which was sort of a goofy three where Alvarado kind of dekes in like a soccer player and then pulls back out and pops one over lat man, that was a gut punch. Nebraska's offense just kind of, you know, it kind of, as Hoiberg said, separated. And it became sort of a one-on-one, hey, let's just try this, or let's, Teddy's going to try to take over again, and it didn't happen. And I think as a result, you know, uh, the good thing that can come from it is he can say to them, okay, guys, 
this is what happens when we don't do what we said we were going to do. This is what happens when we, when, when the plan um, goes really well for 33 minutes and then it falls apart because you guys tried to do your own thing and you have to be comfortable with being 51, 51 with seven minutes left. It's not always going to be in a 12 minute, 12 point lead. Um, you have to be comfortable. For example, if they're, if they're playing Creighton tomorrow and they're down nine with 10 minutes left, um, that means you're in striking distance and you have to play through that. Uh, I would consider it a win if Nebraska's in within single digits with 10 minutes left. So you have to, you know, I think what he wants from his team is sort of a mental toughness that pushes through some of the, the minor frustrations and they're still getting there. Uh, this is a team that has a lot of passion that wants to win that has, you know, pretty good in player chemistry, but when things kind of go bad, they get frustrated and, and you've got to have guys who can pull you out of that trajectory and there's a couple guys that I see, like, you know, with, with Teddy Allen and to some degree, Lat Mayan, who I think is maybe the most talented player on the team. You got to get those guys to, to, to lock into everything that's going on all the time. And when Teddy's on and he's, you know, flipping a pass back for a three-pointer, it's pretty. When Lat's on and he's doing all the things he's supposed to be doing, it's pretty. Um, but when those guys get a little drifty or whatever, you know, you have to – you have to lock back in. And that's kind of what I saw uh, last night. One of the things that Creighton struggled with, I thought some of their young guys struggled with a couple of years ago, was separating the emotional impact of not having success offensively from what they need to do defensively. You know, right. because you're an offensive-oriented player, you go to a program where you're like, we're going to score, we're playing for this coach who's offensive-minded, and like, we're going to push tempo, shoot threes, and like, that's what we're here to do. And when you can't do that, you have to remember, like, well, there's still another side of the game. Right. And I think Creighton spent a lot of time training the minds of its players to accept that fact and to buy into it. And to me, that was one of the things that really stood out uh, late in the game against against Georgia Tech for Nebraska. Just, I mean, it was like a lack of mental focus defensively. You know, all the room they were giving Alvarado uh, to kind of go to work. And then they a couple offensive boards that they gave up. You know, it was just like little things that – um, you just can't do in crunch time. And then, unfortunately, I mean, some of the shots, you know, you tip your cap a little bit to Georgia Tech because they weren't, like, uh, you know, amazingly high percentage looks. Right. The three you mentioned by Alvarado, I mean, that was there was a contest there. I mean, he gave him maybe too much room in transition, but there was a contest there. By the way, can we mention that? Uh, did you think Alvarado got lucky by not getting that fifth? Yeah. Like, he kind of, like, I don't know, tri Kobe tripped up. Kobe Webster tripped up a little bit, and Lat or uh, um, Alvarado had a hand on his back, I think. So could have been the fifth foul right there. And but then that was like he had already hit a three, comes down, maybe fouls out, doesn't get the whistle. Nebraska doesn't, and then he hits that other three, and it was like that was a big moment. And yeah. you know, I think within the context of the game, Fred probably didn't see that. Um, but I also think he's not the kind of guy that's gonna that's gonna put it on the refs. I mean, for example, he he said after the game that Lat Man can't pick up that technical foul. And as I'm watching it from my vantage point, and I feel like I had a better vantage point than maybe he did because I we were the media was on the front side of that whatever that was. I, I don't think Lat did a lot. Um, I think I think that was probably Moses Wright needs to let go of the foot. I don't know exactly why he was doing what he was doing. And then I don't think, I don't think Georgia Tech's coach can come out on the floor like that. I, I don't think that's helpful at all. 
Um, he pushed he pushed the envelope multiple times during the game, and the officials kind of let him. And that you know, again, that's maybe that's Josh Passner knowing the room and knowing what he can push. I I thought Passner did a good job. Uh, you know, I, I think he should have been, you know, teed up for the PJ Fleck move of going on the court there. But um, everything else, I thought Pastor coached it well, and he took the risk of putting Alvarado back on the floor, and it paid off. And I thought, you know, Nebraska, I do think there comes a point in the course of that game when you got to call a timeout or you've got to say, hey, you know what? Latman's our best three-point shooter. Kobe's having a good night, good for that. But the guy that we know night in, night out is going to make shots from perimeter is Lat. Why isn't he shooting? I think he had five shots. I think if I, oh. if I look it up. Um, and that was one of the questions I asked after the game of like, how do you get this guy to how do you get this guy to shoot the ball? Because he's pretty modest. Like he just doesn't. He doesn't necessarily want to, you know, to take the risk. Or I'm not sure what the deal is there exactly, but um, yeah, Lat took five shots, and that's could that be a result against Teddy scouting. taking 16? But Lat should not take five. He's is it a result though of, of a scouting report on Lat just because they, people know what he wants to do, which is shoot threes? And if you crowd him, you know, he ha- he hasn't really shown the ability yet to right. put the ball on the floor and beat you or. or get rid of it and, and, they, and you can swing it. And That's a great point. Now I'll, I'll give you another example though. There's 17 seconds left in the first half. It's 32 30. And um, Fred has him called timeout. Cause Ivan's out on the floor, you know, and he's holding the ball off his head and he's like, time out, you know, and they didn't put Lat in. That surprised me. It surprised me that when you have a final possession with 17 seconds left and they got a turnover, by the way, um, they don't put man back in then just have him on the floor so if he gets an open shot, he shoots it. I think there's just a piece there where they got to make sure that they're always keeping in contact with what he's capable of doing. I, I agree with you that people kind of know what he'll do at the same time. Um, Fred said he turned down a couple, and I agree. There was yeah. a couple times when Lat had a 6'7 guy on him. Lat's, Lat could shoot over that. So I think they're still trying to work through the kinks of – who, who's going to get the ball? Because you darn well know there's three guys on that floor, Banton, Allen, and McGowns. None of them are afraid. And Kobe Webster really isn't either. So, you know, you've got to make sure that one of your most gifted players, and I think Mayan really is, is getting is not only getting the touches, but also is getting prodded to say, hey, man, <laughs> you're good. You, you, we want you to shoot. We want you to be a factor out there. So gotcha. I think those are the things they have going right now those are the things through the first five games and now of course you know they they played by far the best team that they've played all along in Creighton the final was 75 64 Georgia Tech won we'll switch gears over to Creighton because as you mentioned Nebraska is going to face its toughest test Creighton just got done with its toughest test at Kansas and honestly there there was that 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 did factor in like the elevation of competition level I mean, Creighton opened the season with three, two Summit League teams and, and I don't know, one of the worst teams in D1 and Kennesaw State. Um, it was a drastic difference when, when they stepped on the floor with Kansas. Just Kansas's athleticism, its quickness. Uh, it, it, I don't think Kansas is like crazy long, but it has more length than what Creighton has seen, obviously. And, then, and, and when you consider, too, that every team, you know, you, you couldn't – 
work out as consistently, play as much five on five. Like Creighton, even in the off season or the preseason, uh, wasn't able to scrimmage as much as it normally would um, because of of injuries and didn't get exhibitions and all that stuff. So like Creighton's still working to find its timing and rhythm. And I just thought that that was one of the underlying sort of determining factors in a defeat um, to, to Kansas. What did you see with that game? Kansas, obviously um, I thought was in, was almost in control. Like you could say, quote unquote, in control down the stretch, Creighton with some grit and resiliency found yeah. a way to get back in and give itself a shot to force overtime. Marcus Zagorowski obviously missed the made two free throws, uh, but missed the third to force OT. Um, but what'd you think? You, you got a chance to watch. I was curious what, what your thoughts were on the Jays and that, and that performance. So I watched the final 10 minutes um, live because I was getting a tree and then I watched, I rewatched a lot of it. Um, I think what I would say is that, you know, Creighton's right there. I, I don't know that Kansas is the number five team in the country. I agree with that. I agree um, with that. They might end up being that, Sam, at right. the end of the year because they're going to get better. But at yeah. this moment, I, yeah. I think there's a separation between, honestly, number one and maybe everybody else. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Um, certainly Iowa's had a great start to the season. I, I think Creighton would beat Iowa, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I would say that, you know, Creighton to me, honestly looked like the better team. Uh, I think, I think they, they missed some shots that, and they don't miss at CHI. Um, I think Allen Fieldhouse is a wonky atmosphere anyway. I'm sure it was weird when being empty. And I think there was a couple of pressures I and mean, there was a couple of pressure moments. I think where got shots that I think Creighton normally would have made, they didn't make. Um, what strikes me is that the guys that the two guys that seemed impervious to that were Damian Jefferson and Denzel Mahoney. They, they didn't seem to feel that at all. Uh, and Mahoney's, you know, six point stretch there was pretty cool. Um, it Creighton seems to be able to find that guy. Uh, and they almost always have that guy, um, on their best teams. And that goes back a long way. And that goes back to the Baroni era and the Dana. And, and now they just have. They have that X factor player, and it happens to be Mahoney or Jefferson, but Mahoney, um, and they're fortunate to have it because you know Ballock didn't have his best night, and Zagorowski didn't have his best night, and um, you know if Tyshawn Alexander's there, they win by ten or twelve, you know whatever, but he wasn't, and so they they really had to get those contributions. I guess I was you know I was a little surprised, and maybe this will bear out. In fact, I think it will bear out in the Nebraska game. I feel like Creighton had maybe a little bit more length on the bench, and those guys didn't contribute quite as much as I thought they might, uh, that being Kalkbrenner and um, Epperson. I don't know what Nebraska's going to do with those guys. I, I just don't know. I mean, Ivan's a good defender, but, you know, he's 6'8". So um, it was an interesting game, and I thought, I thought Creighton coached it well uh, and maybe just missed a few shots. And, and I thought Kansas played better than they've played all year. I mean, if the Kansas that played Kentucky played Creighton, had Creighton wins, um, but the Kansas that played Kentucky was not the Kansas that took the floor, and some of that's probably Kansas playing at home versus playing on the road. So it was a really interesting game. You know, it's probably good for Creighton that they play Nebraska now because they don't have to have that one rattle around in their brain. I think they have enough motivation to beat the crap out of Nebraska that they'll they'll move on from it but that's a game that could really st sting for a while if they were playing a Kennesaw State 
because uh, I'm sure they're kicking themselves over missed opportunities and more than just the free throw. Yeah, I mean there were turnovers. Um, I'm not, I'm not as as concerned with all the the rebounds they gave up to Kansas. I think Kansas is a pretty good rebounding team yeah, despite are. its size. They just have guys who can go get it, and just I mean Creighton's not going to be a great rebounding team this year. They just kind of have to maintain there. Um, but they did give up some extra possessions on the offensive rebounds, with, so that 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 hurt. But the turnovers just kind of like there were some silly ones that, um, especially down the stretch, that that could, that obviously proved costly. And you mentioned the shots not going in. And I wonder if if that had something to do with the pressure of the moment, or maybe releasing the ball a little bit quicker, going through your motion quicker because you're worried about Kansas closing out quickly and and. Uh, its ability to recover and take away your space. I don't know, but they didn't go in. Creighton's, it's not like Creighton's ever, never seen length before. These guys haven't seen length before or, or good defenses they have. The Big East was, was loaded last year and, and they earned a share of the title. So, uh, but they hadn't seen it in a while. And I think that that was, um, that, that was a factor. You mentioned the bench too. Uh, Sam, they just weren't great defensively with the bench, with the reserves on the floor. They were really good with their starting five uh, defending what Kansas was doing. And they gave up a couple buckets early to McCormick on the post, but Christian Bishop eventually adjusted and figured out how to kind of force him off his spots. Once they got McCormick off his, his go-to spots and he, you know, he, he kind of beat Christian with a couple angles early, like that, that Creighton won that matchup as the game went on. And it's, it's just th- those five are they're so well-connected um, they communicate, they, yeah, they, they, they trust each other. Their attention to detail is really impressive. They know what the scouting report says and how to react to it. Um, they, they're, and they're active, I, you know, just watching how engaged they are. Uh, they, they move and, and they're kind of instinctive and, and they anticipate well and they're hand, they're handsy, you know, like they do what they have to do. Um, because they don't have a, a ton of like athleticism or size where they can just go up and block the shot or, or rip the ball away from you. Although Denzel Mahoney did that. And I don't know, he's kind of emerging as potentially a, a lockdown sort of go-to guy defensively. We'll see if he assumes that role, but I don't know. I think, I think they just got to get those reserves to kind of fit into the defensive picture. Um, as seamlessly as those 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 starting five guys do. I mean, they're vets. All those five, those five those starters, they've all played a ton together and in this system, they know it. Um, and the reserves, you know, Ryan Kaufbrenner is a freshman. Sharif Mitchell played sparingly last year as a freshman. Antoine Jones just this is his first year with the program. Jacob Everson's coming off injuries. Um, he hasn't played a ton. He's been a part of the program for a while, but he hasn't played a ton. So. Um, I, I put this on Twitter. I think Kansas was at 0.73 points per possession against Creighton's starting five and like 1.28 points per possession against the rest of Creighton's lineups. <laughs> I think Creighton's coaches, just, they realized as the game wore on that like our starters are getting it done defensively and we're going to have to ride them. And that's a little bit, it's a little bit concerning in the short term because Creighton's about to play a ton of games and it's in the midst of, a, a, of where it's going to play basically every three days. Yeah, and you need those bench that you need that bench to contribute, and, and you don't want to have any sort of drop off. So um, I think offensively, those guys are fine. They fit in really well, and they know what they got to do. It's just on the defensive end, getting them up to speed and getting them ready to go. So 
we'll see uh, how they respond. I think Nebraska is a different. They're just not as good as Kansas. I mean, I would imagine that those guys play more against. <laughs> I just I'm not trying to knock Nebraska at all. I'm just saying that Nebraska has some unique, difficult matchups, especially if Creighton's. I assume they're going to play man. Yeah. Which Nebraska wants. They want to face that. D- deep down, I think they got a little screwed up playing Georgia Tech zone and then and then Georgia Tech switching a man. And I just think other teams are going to go to school or should go to school on that because I think Nebraska got a little, you know, mixed up. But I don't think Creighton's going to do that. I think they're just going to play him up and 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 that will be challenging in some ways for Creighton. But I also think, again, if Lat Mayen gets in foul trouble and you've got Kalkbrenner, that's not going to be an easy matchup for anybody on Nebraska's floor. I mean, they they got a kid over on the bench who's recovering from COVID in the 21 day, and he's giant. Now that I, you know, I, none of us had seen him until last night. Like, seen him, seen him. Yeah, because <laughs> he hasn't been in the gym. This kid's six ten, and I mean, he's he's got the wingspan of a seven five guy. He's huge, and he's long, and you know, he's got a little bit of size to him. But they can't use him yet because of because of COVID. So, well, protocol, he's sitting on the bench with a mask on, um, but he can't play yet. And so if he were playing, I'd, I'd feel better about it. But this puts a lot on Lat Mayen and, it, you know, and Ivan, who's a really good um, – he comes off screens really well, and he, and he, and he attacks uh, – I'm not sure what that noise is. I think that's my – yeah, that was mine. Um, he comes off screens really like well. Two change right there, Sam, I think so. It was good. I was looking at the. I'll tell you what I was doing is I was looking at the box score from last night, from the Creighton Kansas game. Oh yeah, an auto player started. So boom. Uh, anyway, love uh, it. I you know I think I think Nebraska will have some issues with with Creighton's size inside, and then simultaneously that's not Creighton's strength. I mean, their strength is they can they can hit a bunch of shots and and uh, Zagorowski had an epic game against Nebraska last year. I mean, it was – I mean, he just – he hit everything. And so, you know, Nebraska's got a lot of things probably rattling around about how they're going to stop Creighton. I think the thing that Nebraska will feel good about is if this team wants to run and they want to play with us like that, we can play like that. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska's got a point guard that can do some things, and he's unique, and he's interesting, and he – he plays hard and he's smart and that's a not that Cam Mack wasn't a really good player at times last year, but Banton's different in in the way that he 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 doesn't have to go through five guys to get to the rim. He can he can get there and shoot over you. So there's he, some Banton's everywhere, Sam. Like when I watch him play, like he's all over the court. Like he's got a ton of energy. And he plays like he's a five ten dude, just in terms of that. Like you think like the type – I mean, you think of those 5'10 guys who are just, like, quick all over the place. And, you know, Ben's not super fast, but he's long stride. He has those long strides, so he covers ground fast. He just seems to be all over the court. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they're going to do defensively against him. Maybe maybe that's a Damian Jefferson assignment to try to keep him in front because you don't want him going downhill against you. Like you said, he can finish in a lot of different ways and make and create some issues when he gets into the heart of your defense. So. How, how Creighton goes about trying to, I don't know, keep him out of the lane, maybe get the ball out of his 
out of his hands. Creighton, Creighton's gone with this hard hedge philosophy on ball screens lately. Um, Christian Bishop's really good at it, extending out and, and pushing that ball handler back to half court. Um, how Nebraska handled like I thought Kansas started to find some things against that. Uh, probably didn't do as good of a job as it could have um, attacking that, but it did attack to, to the 70. It was tied 70, 70 all and Kansas whipped the ball around quickly to yeah. take advantage of that hard hedge. Um, got the ball inside and then kicked it out for a wide open three. Like they beat the hard hedge with that, with that play that ultimately won the game. And so, how Nebraska handles that? That's I'm, I'm curious about that piece of it, and specifically Delano Banton. Can he get the ball out of your hands quick? Uh, but they have a lot of ball handlers, though. So he's not the only guy they put in ball screens or anything like that. So um, it'll be interesting. It's it is because I, I don't know how many like I think there's players you would pair off. Like I think Trey McGowan's and Antoine Jones are similar in some ways. Maybe Trey's a little better, but similar players. I don't think there's a lot of there's a lot of like comparison pieces to Delano Banton, and I don't think Nebraska has Marcus Zagorowski. Um, I don't think Creighton has Teddy Allen. Allen is a unique player that I you know doesn't fit necessarily into every team, but I think with Nebraska, as the season goes on, they'll know how to use him. Teddy is really good in spurts, and he kind of does a Teddy takeover at the beginning of the second each second half. He's good in spurts. And then he's got to learn, like, when it's his time, uh, when it's, uh, I don't know, it's his time to go score six or eight in a row. And then when he needs to to not take that shot that he shouldn't take. And he's another guy that's, that's really creative inside. Like, once he gets into the heart of the defense and kind of feels the defender where he's at and, and kind of knows he's got a, a multitude of moves where he can just get the ball up on the rim. And a lot of times it goes in. It looks a little bit weird and funky. He's like, oh, you trying to do that? But no, yeah, he was. And uh, I think I, I, I'd imagine Denzel Mahoney guards him. And that to me, I think if you're Creighton, you feel pretty good about that. If Denzel Mahoney avoids foul trouble, which is tough because Allen can draw fouls. Um, I think that'll be one of the keys for Creighton is just not fouling Nebraska because yeah, Nebraska draws fouls. Yeah. Right. I think that's one of the keys because, because, um, Creighton doesn't usually doesn't defend is able to defend without fouling. Like that's kind of been one of their staples, but they got into some foul trouble in the first half against Kansas and Mahoney picked up his third early in the second half, which was the key sort of turning point of that game, not turning point, a momentum flipper at that moment. And if he's going to guard Teddy Allen, which I think he, he has sort of the body type. He's got a six 11 wingspan. He's strong. Teddy's got strength. Like, it just feels like that's a perfect matchup for uh, for those two to be guarding one another, or at least him guarding Allen on, on that end. He's got to avoid foul trouble, and that's not easy. So, uh, we'll Nebraska see. has to be able to answer. What, what do you think? What did you say? Yeah. Nebraska has to be ready to go right away because um, Creighton can rush anybody, especially at home. Um, Creighton is a – and I was going to – this is a bigger picture issue, but Creighton at home, especially when they have a full crowd, it's just a different beast than Creighton at Allen Fieldhouse. And I, and I think, if, for example, if Kansas had to play Creighton on Creighton's court, I think Creighton wins. They're just a different program at home. I think they're a hard team to beat, and they beat elite teams at home. And I think that's something they're still looking to do. 
away from their court. When they get in the NCAA tournament, they don't seem to play quite as well. And when they're when they're playing elite teams on the road, it just doesn't feel the same as when they're NCHI. They started to flip it last year. You know, they did. They beat, they beat Nova and Seton Hall on the road. Um, those, those were big. Two, two big wins. But, you know, they also had duds where they didn't even a shell of themselves, you know, playing at and just getting off the floor and at St. John's just run off the floor. Like, here's that team. <laughs> where, like, hit 23s against Butler a week ago, you know? So I, I get what you're saying. But the when, when Creighton's at home and this game is at Creighton, you know, you, you have to be ready for uh, Nebraska's energy has to be way up to start the game. Uh, and they have to attack, and they have to play like elite defense, which at times against Georgia Tech they did. First four minutes of the second half they did. Um, they have to play elite defense, and they have to be prepared for, and this is the thing that Hoiberg's talking about. You can do everything right, and Creighton can hit three trios in a row. Doesn't There's nothing you can do. Like it, You can do everything right, and you know somebody hits a 30-footer. It just can't. So you have to understand that that's going to happen at this level of basketball, and it's going to happen in the Big Ten, and you have to brush it off and say, all right, we're down seven. Let's, you know, okay, it's life. Let's not get down 17. And so I think that's, for Nebraska, that's the key is coming out fast, matching Creighton's energy, um, maybe even maybe even committing a hard foul or two, and getting get setting a physical tone so that it isn't 27 to 7 after seven minutes, which is what it was last year. And Nebraska had no idea how to play that game last year. I watched it on TV. I wasn't there in person, but it's like, you, you don't really get it. And I think this group will get it a lot better, but that's the challenge when, you know, Nebraska has to be able to match that intensity right off the bat. And it's tough because Creighton is on you so fast. And I think a lot of teams, especially in non-conference, there's an adjustment period. Even Kansas dealt with it. I think, what did Creighton do? Scored on seven of its first ten possessions or something like that. Yeah, they 10. controlled it early, yeah. Because it, they they were on them. Like, Kansas was just like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. We just started this game. <laughs> we just started this game. Like, ease up. But Creighton pedaled to the floor right from tip. And a lot of times it can jump on teams and change sort of like – all of a sudden, you're a little, you're feeling a little, you're back on your heels a little bit. Even if, even if it, the score is twelve to eight, you're back. Up, I mean, you credit Kansas for finding a way to get back to sort of reset the game and, and put it back on its own terms. Creighton missed some shots to allow that, but and turn the ball over. But a lot of times, teams, even if it doesn't indicate it in the score line, like you're watching it and you're like, well, a big run is coming. Like Creighton is. It's only it's an inevitability that Creighton's about to just hit them with an eighteen to four or something like that, and that's one of the things they do really well at home is they just the avalanche, man, the snowball. It just they they just hit you over and over again, and um, you know, no crowd. The crowd feeds into that too. It makes it adds the pressure, and you feel like as an opponent that you gotta match it, and you start pressing, and that leads to more mistakes and more easy buckets. So. I, I don't know what kind of impact not having the crowd. I think that is an advantage for Nebraska to not have that crowd in there. But Creighton's really comfortable at home, and they have a, they have an expectation of how they play and, and what they can do. So I think, as you said, it's important for Nebraska to be focused and ready to go early. Like I think it's important for Creighton to get off to a good start and <laughs> sort of uh, make a statement. Like, 
Yeah. You're a different you're a different you different group of guys in Nebraska. I see that, but it's still Nebraska and we're Creighton and we're gonna, you know, put it on you here at home. Yeah, I think Nebraska is gonna compete a lot better than they did last year in the first half. I and I also think that Nebraska has the capability, if they're making their shots, to do the same thing. Like they have the ability to to get up early. Yeah. Um and then uh what I've seen in the first five games, and I wasn't at one of them on Thanksgiving Day, but the other four, is because the rotation is essentially eight guys. And they fade a little at the end of the first half. Then they come out second half sort of house on fire. And they fade a little at the end of the game. And so I, I think Nebraska's energy early will be good. Uh, if they hit shots, they can give just as good as Creighton gives early. I think watching the last five to seven minutes of the first half and then the last five to seven minutes of the second half, I think that's where um, I've seen Nebraska get just a little. They start giving up a few rebounds. They get a little separated on defense, that kind of stuff. But Well, and, and, and if you take the Kansas game out of it, that first week when Creighton was kind of the the clear favorite, those stretches of the games were – that was the difference. Like – once Creighton kind of got a, got its feel of, of how things were going, midpoint of the first half, um, early second half, like that was that was when the, the separation happened. Yeah, and uh, that that it's interesting, man. A lot of times we focus on how the end of games go or how the start of the second half goes, but I that end of first half, especially kind of like the twelve minute mark on. Is it, it's it's it makes such a difference. I, I actually I think about the Creighton Kansas game. There was a stretch where um, where Kansas missed seven shots in a row, mm. and it, Kansas are, Kansas had the lead, and it had made it, it sort of regained its footing and everything, and, and missed seven in a row. And Creighton couldn't take advantage. And I, I after the game's over, you know, you, you're thinking about the end, the missed shot, you know, uh, some mistakes down the stretch, missed shots down the stretch, but that that little span of time in the first half, how, how different things could have been if Creighton goes on a seven over run or something and, and, and suddenly has the lead right. um, as opposed to, you know, still kind of fighting and finding its rhythm. So end of the first half. Yeah, I'm with you. That's a, that's a, that's a big stretch. Uh, you got any, you, what, what's your prediction? You said it's a win if Nebraska keeps it in single digits and, or at least down the stretch. Absolutely. Well, you know, like, I, I mean, I think it's, it's only fair to say that Creighton is the number nine team in the country and they, they, they're at home and they should number eight, number eight. <laughs> probably going to drop a little bit. Though. Um, they should, they should win the game. I mean, that's not, I'm not saying anything negative toward Nebraska to say uh, they should win. That's it. My final thought is this uh, Nebraska can give as good as they get. And one of these days, Nebraska is going to hit some shots and they're going to hit a lot of shots. I don't know what game that's going to be, um, but they're going to have a night where some of the stuff that's not going in that that could go in does go in. And if that's against Creighton, then it's going to be a really, really interesting game. If it's not, um, I could see this deal being anything for anywhere from, uh, you know, a nine to 11 point loss to in the twenties. I mean, you just, that's, that's kind of what'll happen if they don't make shots and they get discouraged. Uh, Creighton's a very, very good team, and you know I've watched them a couple times this year, and you know they're they're darn good. 
Uh, they're a little thin on the bench, but again, their bench guys, I think, will have some success in this game. I mean, Kalkbrenner's not going to go for 15, but could he come in and, and go, you know, and get and score two baskets and grab three rebounds? Yeah. I yeah, think so. try, right. They'll try to post him up the lob game. We haven't talked about that with Creighton. It's a it's ball screen offense. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Nebraska's going to do against that. That's yeah. tough. Kansas, oh. Kansas sunk its big man into the paint and just said, look, we're going to take away the lob, and if your ball handler wants to come in and challenge our shot blocker, then go ahead. And, and eh, had some success, but it, at least they took away the lob. Right. It's going to be tough to take away that lob. And, and we didn't talk about Christian Bishop's impact offensively. He's so versatile. He's a good guy. He's going to be a, a mismatch. You're going to be able to talk about Christian Bishop many times on this podcast. Right, right. Christian is a really good player. Uh, Doc said will have a good plan, but the problem is you can't take away one guy and, and beat Creighton. I mean, they, they, they got four. And, um, last, you know, two years ago when Nebraska beat Creighton, it was Balak who went off. I think he had seven threes. Last year it was Zagorowski. Um, no, Balak, Balak had seven threes in the loss at Nebraska. Right, two years yeah. ago. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. did. So he's really good two years ago. Last year Zagorowski went off. This year it could be anybody, you know. So you, you really can't, you can't scheme it to stop one guy. Um, if Nebraska, I, I, I think Nebraska will compete much better than they did last year, but you know, it still may end up being a 15 to 20 point loss because Creighton's really good. That's my yeah, thought. Zagorowski is one of those guys to watch because you know, the disappointment he's been, he's been a bounce back player in his career, had a bad game. The Kansas game, he wasn't, it wasn't a bad game. It just had a bad moment, but sure. that'll sit with him. And he's such a competitor that like he, as you said, Sam, having the opportunity to play Nebraska and kind of erase whatever happened on Tuesday from your mind, like that is huge for him. And so I'm, I'm eager to see how he responds. But yeah, I'm with you. I got, I got, I don't know. I think it's going to be like a 14 point game when it ends. Um, should be crazy. Great fans who have not watched Nebraska a lot this year will think Nebraska is better because they are. That what that much I'll say. They're yeah. better. Yeah. I think how much of a margin it is depends on Nebraska's focus. Like, what are you doing defensively? And are you matching up and taking away some of the, go-to stuff that Creighton does. Yep. All right. all right, Sam. Fun chat. Always enjoy it. Don't forget to check out all our coverage on Omaha.com. Sam's following the Huskers. And he's got football on his plate, too. So that season's winding down, but there's still we'll plenty yeah. to write about. So uh, follow his coverage. And obviously, i got the Creighton stuff for you. Um, the Jays are about to start Big East play after this game against Nebraska. So a lot. I'll see you in the hockey box tomorrow night. All right. We're up, we're <laughs> up high. Bring those binoculars. I have them. All right. You need them. All right. Thanks, man.